high school each Sunday night. I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your hosts, Keith Varney. Michael and Eglio. Another Game of Thrones spoiler. I'll kill your family. Between Endgame and Game of Thrones, my wife cried about six gallons. And by my wife, I mean me. (laughs) Welcome to Out of Practice Podcast Season 2, Episode 5, entitled First Degree. It is a beautiful Monday morning here in Astoria. And the aftermath of the big battle on Game of Thrones has everyone pissed off. Pissed off at their friends for posting about it on Facebook. Actually, Keith, this is a great a great conversation I really want to engage in. Is it incumbent upon people to... Yes. Shut up. Now, so, <laughs> but aren't you somewhat responsible, not you, you know, the global you, to not go on social media when you really don't want something spoiled? No. It, like, not, like... It was within hours, within minutes. I can't go on Facebook. I can't go on the internet. I can't go. I can't check the news. I can't do literally anything because everybody's got their own clever little thing. I mean, like, oh, I'm going to like, I'm not going to spoil her, but I'm going to do a little thing. I, I, I will rip through Facebook and tear your face off. Without actually giving any spoilers. What was the worst one you saw? Like the worst spoiler you saw? I, you know, honestly, it was like Yahoo News with their clickbait like cover. Like I, I wasn't even expected. Like you go onto like the Yahoo site and it's like, oh, can you believe this? Blah blah blah. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It's uh, the show aired like six hours ago. I had this d- this this d bag um, acquaintance on the uh, Book of Face that so there's a certain character who does a certain heroic thing and. That everybody's been waiting to wonder, like, who's going to be the person who does the thing? So right. all this person did was post in bold caps the name of the person who did the thing. I think I saw the exact same post. Oh, we're talking about the I same wanna... guy. Yeah. And then... Oh, no, it wasn't a guy. Oh. Well, you it's are friends... Everybody's doing the same thing. You're friends and with this I'm guy, just... actually. Oh, am I? Well, I, I... Tons of people did it. His first name Guys. is Mike. Anyway, but listen what he did. So, it, so of course, rightly so... Like, 20 people in his comments are like, why would you do that? And he kept defending himself, being like, I didn't say what this person did. I just said this person's name. I was like, yeah, but anybody would know, put two and two together. Then you're following that character a little extra closely. It's just a D-bag move. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> so now, I'm coming in hot and heavy. So now we're about to spoil the, in, the entirety of this episode of this show. So, <laughs> Yes, well, there's been 20 years, not six hours. Yeah, I think that... I think that's fair. I think 20 years is a fair spoiler. Uh, it's a decent statute of limitations. Agreed, yes. So, uh, before we start, I, I 
have to start with uh, something very important. Yeah, so I, I just realized we never did This Day in the World last episode. Oh, no. So nobody knows what the, the front page Nobody knows Vermont what the top was? movie was. Oh. Yeah, exactly. And I, it's a funny thing happened on the internet this week. Uh, last episode, like probably the biggest shit show episode we've ever recorded yeah. has been our top episode other than the pilot. Well, you know, we've got onto Reddit. We did some things. We actually did some social media pushing. We did. Very limited. Very, I mean, you know, it's still us. We're not like Captain Effort, but but I have to say, like, we finally have some real life filings and subpoenas. I'm pretty excited about that. We have our first members of the jury. Wow, the jury is convening. Voidir is over, and we are officially on the nets. We have, Keith, I I am really excited to share with you that we have a Please. solid five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Oh, my God. Oh, thanks, Mom. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to keep the names of these people uh, anonymous in case we know them, which we probably do, I'd imagine. But... um. Let's go. That's probably a fair let's assumption. Let's go. Um, I'm just going to read them in no particular order, okay? Yeah. I wanted to also tell you we got a message from the Reddit community. Did we? So, oh, I bet that was So we friendly. had posted into the uh, Reddit slash r slash the practice subreddit. Right. Um, some of our memes, uh, especially the one where the judge in one of those episodes was just sm- chain smoking and lighting a butt from a butt. And uh, but but and uh, you had posted that into Reddit, and somebody replied and said, "Hey, they still show smoking on TV to this day." To which I replied, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." That wasn't really the point. The point was, uh, ah, the '90s when a f- judge could smoke in the courtroom. It was less about being on TV and more about actually smoking in a courtroom. So, well, but I I, I will defend the post a little bit in that network TV. You rarely see people who aren't villains smoking. Mm, true. And you certainly wouldn't have your hero smoking. Like, you know, I'm not talking about like Breaking Bad or whatever. I'm talking about like ABC, NBC, that sort of a thing. Yeah. But I think for good reason. But for thanks matter, for replying but. on Reddit, whoever it is. And, uh, you know, if you're in the subreddit of the practice, you know, come and watch along with us. It's, it's, you should be revisiting. Um, Indeed. So, so tell us about our, so we, the people who, if you leave us a review on iTunes or anywhere, you get to be a member of the jury. So, what an honor. <laughs> j- juror number one says, These guys are funny and make me sort of care about a show that I pretty much never heard of before. So, there's that. Yay! We're filling your life with things you didn't, you didn't need. Um, we have someone who says they loved the show back in the day, but missed a ton of episodes before DVR. Uh, fun to revisit, which actually is a, a solid point because the DVR was a later addition to the universe. Keith, could you Google that quickly? When did DVRs be? I think TiVo was sort of the first one, right? Yeah, yeah. When? All right, read the yes, next yes, one yes. while I while I do research. A must. Oh, go ahead. Here it is. Uh, I wow. I'm so good at interneting. Uh, the, uh, exhibited the first time in January 1999, 
The first TiVo shipped March 31st, 1999. So you couldn't have even... Wow, that's funny. It wasn't until my senior year of high school. So you couldn't have even... If you missed it on first run, the first two seasons of the practice, then you have to revisit with us because you had no chance to DVR it. Yeah, but I mean... Look, I set a lot of VHS tapes to record. Yes, I did too. In fact, remember when you could got the digital ones that you could set timers? Man, that was jam. And then if they were just slightly delayed, I missed so many episodes. Anyway. Oh, what a mess those timers were. And because of that, I used to VHS everything in, uh, what was it called? EP, like ex- or ELP. Extended play, yeah. sure, yeah. And so the, the quality was just so degraded. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, all like the football games, that kind of stuff yeah. I recorded. Oh, Overtime. A must anyway. download for fans of the practice. If you love the practice, you'll love this. Keith and Mike are hilarious. <laughs> Fun reliving old episodes with their commentary and witty banter. Ooh, thanks, jury member. Yep. And then finally, <laughs> I've never watched the practice back in the day, but Keith and Mike are hilarious. It's a super fun way to watch and listen to a show following along with their witty banter. Two witties. Two witty banters. However, I need you to hit. The, go ahead and hit the objection bumper. Okay, hold on. Oh, well, see, I'd already moved on to something else. I gotta go back to the bumper. Here we go. Objection! That, uh, it's coming to my attention currently. Uh, that is by a, a user named Babsy37, who I have to admit is my wife. So I object to uh, that juror being uh, on the jury. Although, I I don't I don't think that the wife of a person involved in the case would get through voir dire. Yeah. So, but I mean, well, that's four reviews, and we have six actual ratings. Uh, but we have a five out of five. So uh, this we'll take so it. It's great, guys. So go ahead and. Uh, <laughs> well, so that's uh, f- a couple of reviews, and and some people kind of finally finding us on the. Um, on the Reddit, and I think uh, our our view count is is steadily lifting. So we can no longer joke that no one's listening. No, there's at least two people listening. I would say yeah, and like at least two others that we could extort to leave a review. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, if you want to find us on Apple Podcasts, we are the Out of Practice Podcast. You must know because you're listening to it currently. But you can find us at Gmail Out of Practice Podcast at Gmail dot com or l- find the funny memes that Keith is whipping up for us um, on our blog at outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. We're also on the Instagram and the Facebook, both at Out of Practice Podcast. So I guess we should jump into our next little segment. Yeah. This day in the basement. So this episode aired on October 11th, 1997, another Saturday airing. So uh, what were you doing October 11th, 1997, Dex? Well, Keith... Thanks for asking so much. I actually, if I am not mistaken, uh, well, the, on the following day, on Sunday is when I went to that Stones concert. But I believe that Saturday I was watching ESPN uh, and mm-hmm. or the local ABC affiliate of uh, the Penn State Nittany Lions. Now, I was not a, I never went to Penn State. I had no desire to go to Penn State. However, uh, beginning in 1996 through 1998, my brother was the Penn State Nittany Lion. No kidding. Yes, uh, which, as far as mascots go, is a pretty big one. He got a full uh, full bolt scholarship for that, and he, you got a full scholarship for mascotting. Yes, he did. He had to do like three hundred plus uh, appearances a year. You know, it's not just football; it's all the other games and these. Right, games. right. Um, it's like the Philly fanatic. Wow. It's a full time gig. 
So, yeah. uh, but that said, we would watch all of the Penn State games. I believe they were playing, I can't remember, I, I should have looked it up, but we would always watch the games because they would always cut to the Nittany line. It was pretty cool to see your brother uh, doing, sh- shaking his booty or doing some one-arm pu- push-ups for 96,000 people. So, uh, that's what I was doing that Saturday. Very cool. Very. So, let me ask you, as a Philly mascot person, gritty, thumbs up, thumbs down. Jury's out. I can't make a... I have yet to reach a conclusion. Just for the context, uh, Gritty is the new mascot for the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, who is, in my opinion, hilarious. Very funny. It's just very new. The thing I I appreciate about it is that uh, here in Philadelphia, we take our mascots very seriously. Uh, And by mascots, I mean the Fanatic. Philly Fanatic, I think, is an all-star as far as mascots go. Well, sure. It's a, I mean, a legendary... Yeah. It's, it's one of the early ones, right? Or am I just making that up? Uh, yeah, I believe he's been around. I, I actually saw this online not long ago, since the 60s, which is pretty long as far as uh, mascots go. Continuous mascotting? Yes. Um, I actually had a friend who was a sub. He was the third sub for the Philly Fanatics. So they, they have so many... They do so many appearances that he they have three at least three guys who do it. So He's like the, vac- like the vacation swing? Yeah, right. So, anyway, Keith, way up there in cold Vermont, what were you doing on October 11th, 1997? Well, interestingly, uh, it's also football-related. Okay. Uh, Because, you know, October 11th, like, you're full into the football season, and uh, this season was very special for me, not because the Giants were any good, although we did make the playoffs that year, but... uh, I think I probably mentioned before, way up in the hills of Vermont, we didn't have cable TV. It was impossible. And we only got two channels over the air, and it was difficult to get. Uh, But I think it was like the year before, 96 or so, my father found one of those old school big satellite dishes that he bought used off of the back of a truck or whatever. He he finds lots of industrial things he gets a good (laughs) deal on, and then we have them. That are like slightly out of date because at that point, like Dish Network already existed, but like we got the, that's why we got a big deal on the eight foot dish. Anyway, point being, it was my last year at home. And uh, one of the things you could get on that satellite dish was NFL Sunday ticket. The ticket and was already so, out back then? Oh, yeah. No, it definitely was. And so, as, as like a really thoughtful gift from my folks, my last. Uh, football season I spent at home, I was able to have the ticket, which was really cool because whenever the, at that point, football was just on Fox and NBC, but we didn't get NBC. It was impossible to get over the air <laughs> where I was. So uh, I that was a very fond, I was very fond of that season, helmed by Danny Cannell. Remember him? Uh, yes. Who could forget? What do you think about the, uh, your your New York Giants first round draft pick quarterback. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> all of a sudden we've become a football podcast. Yeah, you can just give me a, a, a couple word summary. Uh Oh, uh, well, I don't know enough to come down really hard, but based on what I understand moving forward, woof. Yeah. Pretty. That's a waste <laughs> of a pick, but I guess they needed somebody. You do. I mean, I, I I don't know, man. I, it's (laughs) the thing is like you draft somebody like, there's just no way of knowing. That's true. Like it's like he very well could turn out to be fantastic and everyone will just shut up. But, and you know, and the, 
you know, the top pick could be garbage. So who knows? But I'm definitely like, Ugh. yeah, it's not going to be fun to watch. Uh, is, so this is Eli's last season, you think? I think, yeah. Well, guys, that was your sports update. But more zany morning sports store. <laughs> more importantly, what was happening in Vermont as a whole? Oh, well, you know, I looked it up. Interesting. I remembered this article. A Vermonter that day, October 11th, 1997, won the Nobel Peace Prize. That's big news. It is big news, and especially for Vermont. I mean, geez, there's only like five of us up there. And so, uh, yeah, Jody Williams uh, was her name, and she won the Nobel Peace Prize working to ban landmines. Good for you, Jody. Yeah, it was it was a big it was a big deal. It was we were very proud. Like Vermont, we're so small, but we're scrappy. And like when one of us does something, the whole state gets excited. Keith, you know what else is really exciting? Mm. Here in Astoria, Queens, it was sixty five degrees on October eleventh, nineteen ninety seven. Sixty five degrees in the middle of October is pretty impressive. You know, I think you you hadn't done this bit for like two or three straight episodes, and I was hoping that it slowly died due to lack of oxygen. No, it but. slowly died because we broke the internet like three weeks running, and I think... <laughs> but, I mean, to draw yes. a parallel, it is now the middle of April, just kidding, the very end of April, and it's only 59 degrees, so it was a good six, seven degrees warmer in October back in time. Yeah, well, there you go. See, there's no such thing as global warming. Wow. Yeah. All right. Wow. So uh, the top song, let me just pull it up here so we all can enjoy as it. As long as you're pulling it up and not out. Hey-oh! Boo. Was Four Seasons of Loneliness by Philly band Boys to Men. Which actually... What's that? BBD. Sorry, I was doing some Boys to Men. Thanks for that. <laughs> uh... And in fairness, because we forgot to do this bit last week, this was also the top song last week. The uh, top movie, also the same as last week, was Kiss the Girls. Remember that movie with Morgan Freeman and Ashley Judd? I do. Now, do you by any chance have that pulled up on IMDb so you can tell me what it grossed its opening box office weekend? I'd know off the top of my head. It was about $12.3 million. $12.3 million. this week, it was 11.1. What was eleven point one? It, well, it held the held the, the ah. top spot for two straight weeks. Was that so? The first domestic one, box office or global? Domestic. Okay. So domestic. Endgame. Did you read this? Endgame, which opened this past weekend, globally, globally, this weekend yeah. brought in one point six billion dollars. Boy, that's a lot of money. I think it was like three sixty three million here in the states. But I also heard that it wasn't until they hit the $1.1 billion mark that they even broke even. Well, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow, she's got a big ask. Natalie... Whoa! Natalie, Natalie Portman... <laughs> Shots fired! Natalie Portman is in this movie. You know what she does in this movie? This is not, no spoiler. She wakes up from a nap. <laughs> and she probably... How much money do you think she made waking up from that I nap? I mean, it's in the millions. She made at least a million dollars. Billion dollars. She made at least a million dollars to wake up from a nap. That's amazing, and we've made about a dollar eighteen on uh, about check, twenty-seven yeah. hours of podcast. <laughs> Last check was a dollar and eighteen cents. So <laughs> there you go for perspective in life. 
All right, so. Oh, well, we all can't be Natalie Portman. All right, thank you, boys to men. It's always so enjoyable, boys to men. It's just they got that smooth Motown Philly, you know? So smooth, so, like, catchy. It's, I love it. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the, of the boys to men. So, you know what it's about time to do? Talk about the episode? Time to talk about the damn episode. Only, what, 20, uh... <laughs> 21 minutes of nonsense before we start the episode. That's the, that's the creamy nougat center of our of our little candy bar here, buddy. <laughs> creamy nougat center. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I guess the question is on a podcast like this, is it about the show or is it about the bullshit? Because I, you know, I started like the, the Star Trek podcast that we've ripped off the format of like, at this point, I know the shows so well. I just want to hear their nonsense. Yeah, and everybody's like, "Is there a new bumper? Did Keith like wake his neighbors up this week?" I'm always excited about it. Oh, I, oh, I definitely woke my neighbors up. But it was to uh, record a new song for the other podcast that I do, mm. the Wisdom of One D and D podcast I do with my two brothers. Maybe I'll, uh, I'll shoot you the MP3. You can play a clip at the end of the. Uh, All right, that sounds fun. Make sure to check into so, season two of of. Uh, that podcast, because uh, there's a special guest I hear. <laughs> well, there's definitely somebody advocating to be special <laughs> guest. Hey, that's the highest form of flattery I hear. Hi, fair enough. Uh, that's why nobody wants to be a guest on our show. No, you explicitly prohibited anyone from being a guest. It was one of the five rules. <laughs> that is true. I have them written down. <gasps> oh, that's good. All right. Well, someday we'll have to go through them. We've, bro- we've broken right. a few already. Anyway. we Anyway. All right. So, uh... This season two, episode five, entitled First Degree, was written by three people. Michael R. Perry, Stephen Goggin, Gagan, Goggin, something like that. He's a freaking Oscar winner. You think I'd know how to uh, pronounce his name? And of course, season Goggin and series creator David E. Kelly. Uh, But uh, Goggin's very interesting. He won for the screenplay for Traffic. And was a nominee again for Siriana. Okay, we've already so, kind of determined that we we think that when he has co-writers, well, I guess this one time last episode, we found it to be a very strong uh, choice. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I, I, I've never. It's rare to see three writers on the same show. And having watched the, the first time I watched this episode, I was like, I can tell what parts were written by each person, mm. which is interesting. Uh, anyway, we'll get into it. And it uh, was directed by Joe Napolitano, who you will uh, enjoy, was famous for having directed 12 episodes of Quantum Leap. Oh, my God. Beep, beep, boop, boop, beep, boop. Um, we almost did a Quantum Leap podcast. That was my pitch. I love Quantum Leap. In fact, you know what? The future is unknown, but we might go ahead and Quantum Leap ourselves over to that someday. <laughs> About 12 years after we finish this shit. <laughs> I know we 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 have uh, we're going to be like sixty when we finish this podcast. But well, what, you know, we did discuss going into bi-weekly episodes. No, we never discussed that. In fact, we shouldn't. Let's continue on. We never discussed that. That's a that would break rule number two. <laughs> too much work. Too much work. Oh God! You mean bi-weekly, like two a week, right. as opposed to every? Oh, not a chance <laughs> in hell. <laughs> absolutely fucking not <laughs> that's hysterical uh, you're right though <laughs> all right let's start the episode all right so uh 
The Practice, Season 2, Episode 5, First Degree. It wasn't suicide. You can state that for a medical certainty? <laughs> Mr. Wiggins had no suicidal tendencies in my you professional... You can state it to a medical certainty it wasn't suicide? I'm a psychiatrist, not a medical examiner, but... So you can't God rule damn it, out suicide as a cause of death, correct, doctor? That would be correct, but I... Thank you, doctor. And doctor... Psychiatrist on the witness stand! Guy that Bobby's berating on the stand! <laughs> that is Mark L. Taylor, who is a character actor, has done a bunch of different things. If you saw the picture, you would definitely recognize him. And he will play, this is the first of three different characters he's going to play on the practice alone. And then we'll play another, a fourth character on Boston Legal, the practice's spinoff. So, uh, casting department, definitely short-memoried cast, casting department. And, don't worry, he was, uh, he played a character called Jorlath in an episode of, called Displaced of Star Trek Voyager. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. The line must be drawn here. This far, no, no further. So, Keith, uh, I wish I had a bumper for this. It would sound yeah. something like this. Dum, 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 dum. Doom, 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 doom. Conspiracy theory. Ooh. So I, I think you're gonna have to make that bumper. Okay. So what did I do again? Do 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 do. Conspiracy theory. We'll work on it. Um. Anyway, <laughs> this is a very familiar shot that we see quite often of this courtroom. This kind of up angle shot. Um, right. When a witness is on the stand and Bobby's berating them. But take a look, dead center, Keith, in the back corner of the of the the gallery there. What's missing? Okay. What's missing? <gasps> Where's the fan? The giant fan has finally been removed. It has finally flown away. Yeah. Somebody was like, hey, wait a second, guys. There's there's a gigantic fan in there, and it's not plugged in. Well, I, 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 you know what that means? Speak, do your bumper again. Conspiracy theory. I think they're what, listening to the podcast. Wait, they quantum leaped ahead in time and heard our criticism and then to went back and reset the redressed the set that's what i'm saying which created a time a new timeline in which those episodes were recorded and put out on hulu and fx with our alterations i think that's what happened yeah so in sort of real time we are affecting the episodes <laughs> yes yes that is exactly what's happening you had other patients who did commit suicide Yes. How many? I'm not sure. More than five? Probably. More than ten? I'd say between five and ten, I'd have to check my files. And of those suicides, was there ever one you didn't see coming? For most of those occasions, I saw some symptomology. Was there That's ever a an lot occasion of where the suicide... It is, but once again, it didn't just last episode, we spend a lot of time discussing doctors and uh, patient-assisted suicide, or doctor-assisted suicide, so we're really... Well, yes, although this is this guy's a psychologist. So I, I have never asked my therapist to help me with suicide, but suicide surprised you. Someone you didn't deem suicidal took his or Oh, uh, there she is. Welcome her. back, Linda Hunt. Mm, Linda. And she looks as concerned as ever. Her life, has that ever happened? Yes, but thank you. So it does 
happen, doesn't it, doctor? A patient with no apparent suicidal tendencies takes his life. It happens. That's argumentative and badgering. This is a cross-examination. I would submit the doctor is being argumentative. Let's just have a nice civil murder trial, shall we? Zing! <laughs> Yo! You got Jimmy! Doctor. According to your testimony, Mr. Wiggins became upset to learn of the affair between his wife and Mr. Forsyth, didn't he? Upset, yes. I didn't say despondent. Well, is it possible he could have become despondent to learn his wife of 12 years was sleeping with another man? To me, he seemed more enraged than depressed. Are you telling this court he wasn't depressed about it? Uh, no. We just started the episode, Bobby. We just, it's a Saturday night. We're trying to relax, have a good time, and you're yelling at us really quickly. Bobby's coming in at 11. I'm telling this court, I don't think he committed suicide. Of course you don't want to think that. You were his treating psychiatrist. Suicide would represent your failure, wouldn't it, doctor? Well, I don't know about that. I <laughs> don't think it works quite like that. And I don't know... Yeah, boy, yeah, it's it's like Bobby's coming in so hard already. He it's coming off a little desperate. Yeah. Hey, I prescribed medication. He refused to take it. He refused to take drugs, any drugs. Move to strike, non-responsive. There is no way he would willingly take second off. Move to strike. And you are way too aggressive. Man. He was throwing dirt on the coffin. He put the final nail in. Andrea. All right, hold on. It's time. I knew that lawyer from somewhere. Where? Okay, so we actually have two lawyers we need to address, uh, but I'm going to save one for later. Uh, when but you we do are, that, instead of, oh man, it's a bad joke, I'm, I'm going to abort. Oh, no, no, I want to hear the bad joke. All right, there's two lawyers you want to address, but one you're going to save for later so you can undress. Double cricket. Double boo. Wow, that's the most that's the most strict penance we've received. <laughs> so uh this lawyer that Bobby is talking with, who we will come to find out, is the uh they are both they're in a mutual defense deal. There there are two defendants here, and each of them have their own lawyer. Uh and this lawyer is played by Melina Conicoratus, uh who Moved on to many things. Uh, she was on the Pro the Providence TV show. She was a regular on CSI New York. Um, definitely someone who had a long, successful career after this and continues to do so. Oh, was that was that all you were going to say? That's all I got to say about okay. that. Did you mention that she's also on my hall pass list? Is she, is she really? She is now. Have you been paying attention? We're losing. It's still all circumstantial. Two lovers last seen with a dead husband. They found her drugs inside of him. This is a nightmare. They're innocent, Bobby. You know that as well as I do. It doesn't matter what we know. I'm telling you, I could see it in the eyes of the jury. We're going down. That's why he's desperate. But I mean, it does matter, Bobby. Didn't have we, Haven't we turned over a new leaf? Isn't that the whole kind of new arc we're on? Well, I mean, he's still... Like, there wasn't anything unethical about screaming bloody murder at the uh, the witness. That's true. It's just sort of coming off a little desperate. It's one of his more uh, effective strategies, turns out. <laughs> screaming at the witnesses. <laughs> 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 
charm those snakes, man. We gotta charm them. Laser sounds. There's always this extra measure that throws me out. It's got an, an extra bar of laser sounds. I mean, how would you notate that? I, w I wonder. I'd put in italics, laser sounds. Come on, you know Eleanor Frutt. She's an honest lawyer. So is Lindsay Dole. They communicated with the jurors. Your Honor, if you file this complaint, it will stain their careers forever. That's the point. So for those of you just catching up with us, in the last episode, uh, Eleanor and Lindsay were, uh, ex were uh, threatened to be... Disbarred. Disbarred, right? And so now Bobby's fighting on their behalf to get that... Uh, Re-evaluated. You never made a mistake. Well, the they walked down a uh, backlot right soundstage pretending to be Boston. Stands. stands to be corrected. Counsel, maybe I should direct the board to investigate you. That's a hell of a threat. Don't mess with Admiral Lachev. Objection. Didn't fly. Nope. So we're still basically suspended. Basically. This is a little awkward, Jimmy. I mean, you said you had some kind of specialist on disability claims, oh, so he I... he is. Uh, he used to be a PI. This is his wheelhouse. He hey, who's that guy? Well, we... we the song... I, the, the distinguishing factor we haven't seen yet, but you know what? Spoiler alert. Racist cop! Guy with a pretty unfortunate hairline! Yeah, well, all the same, I... Whoa, whoa, what's going on here, Mr. Rydell? Is there a problem with my being, uh... Bold? <sighs> You're black. Okay, well, I guess there's that. Let's... Yeah. <laughs> let's go ahead and talk about this guy. <laughs> oh, yeah! Oh, <laughs> right, I forgot to do that part. <laughs> His... <laughs> I asked the question, but I wasn't going to answer it. Yeah, I just wanted to wait till we knew for sure that he was racist. So now it was rhetorical. Now we know. Yeah, well, mission accomplished. It is. It is John Capelos. 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 I, I. You know, I realized how much I butcher people's names on this podcast. And every time I hear a podcast and they butcher a name, I'm like, oh come on, pull you. Like, what are you doing? Just figure it out. And now that I'm on the air, I'm like, I can't say names. It's like I've like. I'm an idiot. Anyway, so he is a uh, long-running character actor. He's 195 credits on IMDb, including most recently The Shape of Water, mm. uh, Oscar-winning film. And uh, but more importantly, dude was in Time Cop. No Star Trek. John Claude. Uh, no Star Trek. Interesting. But Time Cop, come in, you remember that, yeah, Jean-Claude Van Damme? I do, in fact, but there's a, there's a sitcom I recognize him from, and I can't put my finger on it. Is it the name of the sitcom? No, that's not the name of the sitcom. I was just giving you a minute to maybe scroll through his page and tell me, but... No, I'm not going to yeah, do that. Okay. Well, anyway, Racist Cop, 195, <laughs> 195 DBs, um, IMDBs, and uh, <laughs> uh, things are going... Oh, we're killing just, it. Just, just dandy. Aren't you glad oh. you tuned in? Which is fine in most instances, but this instance. What's the problem, John? A black lawyer can't argue a bum knee? We ain't talking about a bum knee here, Jimmy. The disability I'm claiming is racism. What? I've been seeing a shrink. I can document it official. You're saying racism is a disease to qualify you for disability pay? 
What? Mr. Young, I've been working the beat for 18 years. I ain't just talking job stress here. I'm talking every time I see an African-American suspect, my hand is automatically going for my gun. Ripped from the headlines. 20 years later. Wow. When was Rodney King, though? Rodney King, I believe, was 92. Oh, so it's still a bit of ways from that. This is a very difficult needle to thread. An interesting, an interesting angle at this, like a reverse racism disability claim. It should be. I'm interested to see how they how they handle this. Yeah, no, it's it's remarkably. Well, it's like you say it's remarkably prescient, but this shit's been going on since yeah. the dawn of time. So like, it's not it's not ahead of its time. It's like 500 years We're behind. We're really its below. Time. The, yeah, behind the time. <laughs> Am I proud it's of us? No. Is it the truth? Yeah. And you expect to be awarded an early pension for this? I didn't expect to get fired. When I told my superiors, they bounced me. I, I, I should be suing to get my job back, but I shouldn't get it back. I got no business being out in the beat. But Well, I mean, he sa- this is, doesn't seem like a scam. It seems like a reasonable, well, relatively reasonable... At least he's admitting his issue, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, this is going to be a really interesting... It's going to be really interesting, nuanced discussion about race uh, done by two straight white men. <laughs> Although, there is something that, that that comes with remorse, and that's generally consequence, so it sounds like he just doesn't want the consequence part. Uh, see, that's a good point. A mortgage. This show also written by three white men. For telling the truth that was pretty hard to fess up to. And I'll tell you something else. These racist tendencies, I never used to have them. This job has done this to me. Mm. Listen, our gut reaction plus the polls from our jury consultants, it doesn't look good. We might have to think about a deal. Ba da ba ba da ba. Hall pass! A deal? A deal? We're innocent. What, what, what kind of a deal? I, I don't think they'd offer anything better than manslaughter. Do you think we did this? No. Then how could you possibly suggest we agree to manslaughter? I gotta say this. And maybe I'm wrong, yeah. but I find that people are, in this show at least, and I wonder if you think this happens in real life a lot, are so flabbergasted that a lawyer is trying to lawyer. Like, you found yourself accused of manslaughter. It's not binary, guilty, not guilty. There's a lot of negotiation and a lot of things. Sometimes you're just fucked. Yeah, well, I I, I think you're right. I think there's definitely a, a fair amount of TV conflict generating here, you know, and TV exposition generating. You know, that said, in real life, you know, you're dealing with these incredible consequences and these like life and death decisions so that what seems logical when you're outside of a situation has got to feel very different when it's the gun to your head. Yeah, that's fair. I'm, I'm not suggesting it, but let's face it. You two are the only ones who can account for your whereabouts. By your own admission, you were sleeping while you were alone at a movie. Your husband was found dead in a bathtub with his blood full of your second all. Two lovers, last seen with him, no alibi, plenty of motive. That's those siren sounds and like the traffic on the street and stuff, that's all done in post. Oh yeah, definitely. 
Because it's all on a soundstage. Do it. That's your husband's that's psychiatrist. My uncle and my brother's job. Suicide theory. I didn't kill my husband, and I certainly will not get up and say that I did. You know what we should do? Murdering, philandering couple. People who said they didn't do it, but maybe in fact they did it. <laughs> so, uh, so we have two murder suspects here. It is a couple who were cheating behind the back of the victim. And uh, male-female team, Garrett M. Brown, uh, who we would know from Masters of Sex or American Horror Story. And uh, Linda Eichhorn, who did, uh, speaking of people doing multiple characters on the same franchise, she did six different characters on the Law & Order franchise. It's impressive. No star. I'm, like I'm casting like, directors don't have files. Well, they or they just ran out of actors. Yeah. Well, like we said, there's there's only a certain amount of shows that go around. No Star Trek in this one. No Star Trek. Interesting. I keep waiting for that bumper. No further. It's very okay. Okay. Um. You know, a little inside baseball. You might wonder why does Mike hit his space bar so hard to play and pause the episode. Hmm. Makes it easier to sync when inevitably the sync's all thrown out and I'm trying to time when I hit the space bar when I'm going through it. Oh, that's interesting. See, I actually, uh, I didn't know that. Hmm, see, look, we're really covering a lot of ground today. Oh my God, what an episode. We learned about space bar-ography. And it comes down to putting you on the stand. Both of you. She's got two pearl necklaces. That's, that's fine. Now look, Pratt is going to come at so you, you know. hard on the affair, the prenup, the motive. It'll be ugly. You'll be painted as greedy adulterers who killed a rich older man for his money. That picture's already been painted, Mr. Donald. Do you read the papers? Mary Jane, the newspapers have done nothing to prepare you for what you're in for once you get in that witness chair. The accusation is that they caused him to commit suicide? Or no, the accusation is that they flat out killed him. The defense is saying he it was suicide. But if in case you missed it, the... He was found with secondol in his bloodstream that was ground up and put in the wine that he was drinking. And they're saying that he 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 would never have. And the oh, that's what the therapist was saying. He never would have taken that. He never. Yes. Now, we'll start with you, Doug, and then you'll follow Mary Jane. Let's meet after lunch, and we'll go over what to expect. All right. Listen, you, you better go out the back. Corridors are crawling. Lots of press on this show, or in this uh, case. Interesting no smoking sticker right there. Well, they finally caught up with the times. Take that, Reddit. Keith, I uh, just got some new metrics in. It seems we've lost a few viewers. <laughs> on Reddit. Remember when we were lying in bed worrying about our con law exam? Yeah. Uh, Boom! So, Bobby has slept with everyone who's ever been on the show. We're talking about how great it would be once we got out of school. Maybe someday co-counseling a big case together. Well, since she's on my hall pass list, Keith, and she's <laughs> been with Bobby, does that not indirectly mean that I, in the future, may possibly have been with Bobby? I think you, I, I think you definitely now should count him as a notch on your bedpost. The you have you heard it here, folks. Folks, Mike and Daglio definitely slept with Bobby Donald, the fictional character, twenty years ago. Oh boy, 
And here we are. That's on the internet forever now. This isn't fun. <laughs> Not a bit. Are you actually going to take this guy's case? Do you think in Bobby's uh, online dating profile, he mentions that he slept with like multiple murderers? Yeah. Like, I've slept with anyone who has ever been on the practice. Think about it. Every character, every everything. admitting he was being racist. What kind of message does that send to the force? Keep it to yourself. Don't come forward. To me, that keeps more racist cops on the street. That's one way of looking at it. Another way would be this guy is looking to get paid for being prejudiced. Now, have you put that to your smell test? Have you put your hat to the smell test? Because that hat is ridiculous. Oh. Hi. Hi. I wish you the best of luck in your disbarment proceeding. <laughs> Why are you acting weird, Jimmy? How long have you and Mrs. Wiggins been lovers, sir? A little over two years. And you met... Inside Baseball, I hate the word lovers. It's kind of... It's, it feels weird, it right? Feels just, it just feels weird. You're right. Weird. There's no better term than weird. And how? Yeah. I was employed as a senior vice president at Wiggins Corrugated Steel Company. Actually, you know what? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why lovers feels weird. Because love, the word, encompasses so much more and encompasses something that you would feel for something in which sex would be wildly inappropriate and wrong. Mm -hmm. So, like, it, I, I think just, like, just, m like, muddying those waters... With yeah, the ambiguous phrase like generally, that. Because generally, lovers indicates people who are just sleeping together. Usually, right? I guess, yeah. Or not necessarily. No, I guess not. Yeah. I guess it's people who have. Uh, I don't know. We, this is a longer discussion for another podcast. This is for our sex and love podcast. <laughs> no, I just unsubscribed in my own oh. brain. You don't listen to Keith and Mike's sexy love? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, I don't even, like, I don't have a, well, I got nothing for that. You know, in the first episode of Mike and Keith's Sexy Love, I don't know that we've discussed this on this podcast or that we should, but with no context, I'm just going to let our viewer know, hey, Tom Brady, Keith and I have actually made out before. <laughs> Sleeping with your boss's wife. Yes. I feel like that needs some context. About it. I think we, we'll talk about it six episodes from now, so we'll keep the, we'll we? keep the people interested. Oh, is it coming up? Oh, uh, well, you know, I'll, I'll say this, though. We did it in front of our parents. Oh, shit. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Luckily, both of us were, nobody was dating anybody at that time, because that really could have jeopardized. A, a Are lot. you kidding me? The, the amount of times I've watched my wife make out with people, like, of every flavor in the world. This is, that's, yeah, this is going a place. Yes. <laughs> what was his reaction? She's an actress, kids. He terminated my employment. That doesn't, that doesn't insinuate that she was acting in those moments. <laughs> Did you ever see him again? No, I mean, look, yes, she's, I uh, saw him the she made out with two Tony nominees in the same show. That's something. Con congratulations. Day of his death. <laughs> I'd what? say it's an accomplishment. At his house. What happened on the day you went to see him, Mr. Forsyth? I tried to express how bad I felt, and I, I, I suppose I really wanted to get some kind of forgiveness. Did you? No. 
No, he accused me of being a liar. Oh, those are some character actor extras. Then he asked me to uh, leave his house. Did you leave alone? No, uh, Mary Jane was with me. Uh, she tried to stay and reason with him a little, but uh, he screamed at her too. And when you left the house, where did you go? To my house. We were going to go to a movie, but uh, I decided to just crash. I took a nap, and uh, Mary Jane did go to the movie. Yeah. So you were deeply upset when you left Mr. Wiggins' house? Yes, sir. So troubled that you laid down and took a nap. Any difficulty sleeping? The sleeplessness from... I know that lawyer from somewhere! So this DA is played by none other than William Atherton, who you might know from such iconic asshole characters as the uh, the mayor's assistant in Ghostbusters. He was also in the Die Hard series, did three episodes of Murder, She Wrote, and later in the spinoff Boston Legal, he will play a different DA. And uh, so I was wondering, why would you have the same actor playing the same type of character, but be a different character? So like somebody plays a, a judge in the same series, but then he plays another judge. And I have an answer for that, mm. and that is character payments. So as a writer on a TV show, if you create a character and then that character does another episode, you get paid every time they use that character. Oh. Uh, so in order to save money, even if they want to use the same actor in the same position, they will rename the character so as not to pay the writer character payments. The uh, most famous episode, most famous uh, example of this, in my opinion, is uh, in Star Trek. Surprise, surprise. Uh, there was a character who did a one episode arc on uh, on the Next Generation, who they then wanted to. They really liked the actor, really liked the character, and they wanted to bring him on to Star Trek Voyager as a series regular, and thus do a hundred and seventy something episodes of it. And they decided to just keep basically the same actor, same character, but renamed him so the writer of that one episode of Next Gen didn't get paid for an entire seven-year series, seven series. Huh. Yeah. Really interesting. I mean, boy, I'd be pissed. <laughs> but this <laughs> is a different, it's a different scenario than when shows replace an actor in a role of a specific character, like, like Becky in, in Roseanne. Right. That... That wouldn't have any bearing on a character payment because the writer didn't create the actor. They created the character. Gotcha. Okay. Well, you heard it here for first, folks. You've learned a little oh. bit of something. Who? You're welcome. In the last two weeks probably made it easier. Can anyone verify that you were home sleeping? No, sir, except for Mary Jane. Who went to the movies? Yes. That's a funny thing. <laughs> you know, you both have busy lives. Active schedules, lots of people to see. But for the actual time Mr. Wiggins died, neither of you have anybody to account for your whereabouts. That's kind of a coincidence, don't you think? Would that be a coincidence, Mr. Forsyth? I suppose it would. And by Mr. Wiggins dying, instead of divorcing his wife, you and your lover stand to be very wealthy people together. Objection! We don't like the word lover either. Rule. No, wait, wait, stop, stop right there. Right behind them is a an extra playing a reporter in the corner of the screen who is standing with her little notepad and wearing like this trench coat. So for whatever reason, we have like this 1940s noir, like I'm a reporter, sir. I'm going to write this down. 
it's really weird that you would be still wearing your trench coat while standing in the back, like not even in the in the seating area. It's like behind the court reporter. It's very strange. Now, is there, Mr. Fox? Objection! Sustained. Did you go back to that house and poison Mr. Whitman? No. Objection! Did you drown him in that bath? Your Honor. Uh, Counsel. Did you murder him for his wife and his money? Move Objection, to strike! Your Honor. Mr. Pratt, that is enough. Look at that face. Don't, Don't you cold. think if we were going to do something like this, we would have made sure we had an alibi? Well, that's a good thought, Mr. Forsyth. Did you think of that before or after you killed him? Mr. Pratt! I'm sorry. He's Jimmy and him all that's over the all. place. <laughs> the witness may step down. Trouble. Yeah. You held sure. up well, but it still looks bad. Doug, I gotta ask you a tough question. Did you know that Mary FX James aired the, the practice at Wednesdays mind, at 9 p.m.? Any possibility? I do now. I know you love her, but if there is the remotest chance... You know, aside from the term lovers, I also am uncomfortable when people call, use the name Mary Jane and say the whole thing. At this point, it's every man for himself. It's I a really oddly you. specific distaste. Her. Hey, if either of us were to be singled out as more likely, it would probably be me. I, I don't follow. She still loved him. In fact, a couple of days before he died, she said she was thinking of going back with him. The two of us were fighting. Why didn't you tell me this before? Because it doesn't matter. At the end of the argument, we were all settled and, and, and staying together. The point I'm making is this. What Though is she couldn't live with John anymore, she, couldn't live without she still him. loved him a lot. She never would have considered hurting him. She, she wasn't worried about the prenup? She didn't care about his money. She didn't even want his money. What about pointing the finger at somebody else? There are two employees at Wiggins who were in a big power struggle trying to squeeze him out. So they kill him? So this is an interesting situation yeah, the because there are, two, there are two different defendants being represented by lawyers who are working together. <laughs> we see that a lot in the uh, Trump administration these yeah, days. It turns out that's accurate. Yeah. Here you can't uh, prove. No, that's it. Remember? Uh, we gotta think of something, Andrea. What about accident? We could go back to that. No, you heard the Emmy. He said it was way too much second all to be accidental. Yeah, but he could be wrong. All we need is doubt. You realize we got two people who basically, because they committed adultery, are about to be convicted of... Look at that little coffee cup with the little paper handle. Oh, you remember those? I remember yeah. coffee cups with little paper handles. It was for the classy, unclassy. A homicide? Yeah, the problem is that the second all was mixed with wine. Temporarily I mean, If the classy. guy wanted to commit suicide, why wouldn't he just swallow the pills? Why grind it up and mix it with wine? That's the question we gotta answer. Well, maybe he was hoping it would look like murder. I mean, that would be a great way to get even, wouldn't it? Yeah, another theory we can't prove. How many times do you wash a paper cup and then reuse it? I don't... I, I don't think that's the purpose of a paper cut cup do you do that no my wife does and, and we have this argument all the time i was like why don't you just use a glass then honey why why get a paper cup just bring a, a canteen with you and get your coffee filled in that why why are you bringing paper cups home and washing them <laughs> i keep thinking well i mean it's better to do that than just single use but it's better to just use a real permanent cup than to use the paper cup it's just like the metal straws, because we can't use straws anymore, but then nobody washes the metal straws, so we just have 35 metal straws sitting in the cup in the thing. Mind of yours is bound to come up with something. I'm sorry. Come on. 
I like the I like the metal straw. We just we like we need to be not wasteful, but also not lazy. And it's like we don't like we we have the ability to understand like this is terribly wasteful. We shouldn't be doing this anymore. And I care about that so much. I'm going to change the system, but not care about it enough to stop being lazy. Look, I love the world. Don't get me wrong, but I might hate a soggy straw more than I love the world. Whoa. Got to object. I lied. What? When I said that this wasn't fun. I mean, the case isn't, but working together. <laughs> Bow, chicka, wow, wow. I want to see it. I love the way you grilled the psychiatrist. So, wait a minute. This is both been the most, like, <laughs> what we've learned today is that you you hate the environment and you're super horny. <laughs> That's what we've learned from this episode. It doesn't make me super horny that I want to see Bobby Donald <laughs> illicitly bang his co-counsel in the back room of the office. I think that's perfectly reasonable. Your little cheeks got all flushed. <laughs> Somebody's little cheeks, cheeks got all flushed. <laughs> yeah! Bobby? No. Oops, uh, sorry. I'll just... No, 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 I was, I was just going... Eleanor really knows how to make an awkward situation more awkward. Uh, Everybody knows how to do court. that. Yeah. Nine o'clock. Sharp. Uh, night, Eleanor. Good night. I'm sorry. You need I thought me? we were shying away yeah, from these um, kind of situations. Now, Lindsay guys. said that you were going to How many times in this episode? Judge we're only in the presiding season five, season two, episode five, and trial. people have watched it on Bobby making out with people like 40 times. I know, once you embezzled all that money, couldn't you put a lock on the door? Right. It's worth a try. She's the fairest judge going, and we get along. Okay. That little smirk with we get along. Yeah, well, he also boned the judge. Bobby, I wanted to apologize for... I never meant to jeopardize you. You know that. I do. Okay. Thanks again. Massachusetts law, Officer Rydell suffers a permanent partial disability, which constrains him from working in his selected field. Racism is not a recognized disability. The law recognizes mental distress produced by prolonged work-related anxiety. Mr. Rydell did not suffer this condition of irrational discrimination based on race prior to his employment by the department. Mr. Rydell, you've been before this panel before, haven't you? Yes, sir. That time I was trying to stay on the force. You took a bullet, if I recall correctly. Nine years ago, a stray shattered my kneecap. They offered me the pension then and said I wasn't fit. I told them I wanted to stay on the street. You recovered? Yes, Your Honor. I have some pain, that's all. You know the implications of the claim you bring here today? I do. You're going on record that the Boston Police Department, your department, our department, turned you into a bigot, 
The claim is that working this job yes. has caused him to suffer racist tendencies. Nobody's blaming the department. First time we've seen Eugene with glasses. He's really bringing you that studious, professional look. I think we saw him the pilot, but yeah, it's it's. I like him. I like the glasses. The conclusion people will draw is obvious, and frankly, Mr. Rideau, I'm a little sickened by this petition. Let me oh. tell you what sickens me, Mr. Crane. Last summer, me and my partner were investigating a B and E call. At the scene, I, I see a man I think has a gun, a black man. I opened fire and killed him. He didn't have a gun, Mr. Crane. He had a lighter. IAB determined it was an honest mistake and I was cleared. This hearing addresses issues of law as they relate to you. Well, we really blew right through that. Right? Well, I mean, that's the whole freaking point. Again, it's, you know, it, it's good that they have that time machine. And wrote this show after Ferguson because, you know, it, it started then. Remember? Because, like, uh, cops only started shooting minorities recently. Yeah, yeah, but it turns out that was all okay. Apparently. Dramatic of his condition and entirely relevant. Let him finish. I yeah, before we get any angry emails, I, I was kidding. I'm not sure I put enough thick sarcasm in my voice. IAB lets me off on perception of danger with some mandatory stress recovery. During my sessions, the psychiatrist... It started to become clear. If this man with the lighter was white, would I have fired on him? It keeps coming up. He's black, so I see a gun. This man had a wife, two daughters, runs a shoe shop. He was the man who called in the B&E. Now, as sure as I'm sitting here, I know I was quick to pull the trigger because he was black. Well, see, this is this is what makes this show remarkably good. And as I said before, this is a topic that has been true for hundreds of years, and so this is definitely not breaking any news. This is not like David E. Kelly is the first person ever to point this out. But for 1997, that's a pretty bold... It's still a bold stance to take. Still a very controversial thing to point out. But it's like, that's... You know, for that time, that's a really bold and important thing to be putting into our cultural lexicon. I think it's also interesting if we want to kind of take a step through the lens a little bit and get away from the actual pressing, uh, the, the the sort of theme in general. I think it's also interesting character-wise because, you know, here we are sort of in this in this new element where we're we're trying to be more morally on the right and... You've got Eugene, who's been known to be a little, uh, I'd say, one of the more ambiguously ethical uh, characters thus far. And he's right. he's biting off something that we know uh, chaps his ass, right? Right. And he's he's playing it down the middle thus far. And he's he's actually taking it seriously and, and riding a, a pretty interesting line i think it's well and we're and it, virgo will get into it as the episode goes on but like this creates a really fascinating moral ethical quandary like what to do in the situation where like everybody's kind of wrong yeah and, and what, what do you do, do about you can talk to her and say what your associates talk to a juror they were wrong judge stevens was right technically that's the way we do things here, Bobby, technically. Seven years ago, I had a client who raped and killed three children. 
the police coerced a confession out of him. I stood before a certain judge and argued that the confession be tossed on constitutional grounds. The judge went by the book, even though she knew he was guilty. She released the defendant on technical grounds. Two weeks later, he killed another child. The lawyer cried for a week. And I suspect the judge did too. Are you comparing that case to this one? I'm that was a world right. class guilt trip. Doesn't always mm-hmm. work. Let me suggest to you, judges and lawyers take an oath to this judicial process, and that oath isn't waivable. We both need to cling to that, don't we? That case isn't this case. Both cases involve doing what's technically right, resulting in a greater injustice. Also, you did the. Eleanor you were representing the guy, Bobby. No the stretch here is pretty epic. That, that's a much greater injustice. Peck, we need a quick check on Dr. Wolfman, our testifying shrink. We don't want to get surprised by any skeletons. This the psychiatrist that says racism is a handicap? Yeah, he's got good credentials, but just to be safe. Oh, I'm sure he's legit. <laughs> How's the hearing going? What? Oh, fine. Uh, things are proceeding well. It's fine. Excuse me. Why is he being so weird with them? We're gonna find out. And that's gonna be really weird. What's going on? What? Good. Nothing. Good one, Jimmy. Why? Because every time my eyes happen to catch yours, you, you give me this look like you killed my mother. Oh, well, I'm sure your mother's fine. Jimmy. <laughs> it's probably... Conspiracy theory. Oh. Did, did he testify against them or something like that? Oh, that is interesting. Cons- you need a bumper, man. Dum, 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 dum. Conspiracy, Conspiracy theory. theory. It's got nothing to do with you. I, I mean, it does, but it's none of your business. She about to make it her business. I'm not telling you, Lindsay. Jimmy, if whatever this is has something to do with me, as you say, you owe me an explanation. You don't want to know this. Trust me. Tell me. I'm not comfortable with... Now. Mm. Okay. The other night, I kind of had this erotic dream. We were both in it. We were both naked. Nude. And you were very Okay, stop, stop. Up until this point, you're still in the okay, Jimmy. She, she, she asked you to say what it was. You said what it was. You're, you're okay. Now. Is he? Well, I mean, he said, I, I had an erotic dream. It involved you. It's making me awkward. End of statement. What, did he have to go into the details of the nudity? Well, and here's every... Every syllable you utter beyond this is now fucking harassment. Yeah, I mean, he could have. I mean, that was a friendly thing, didn't he? He could have been like, you know what, Lindsay? I, I know it seems weird. I'm, I'm. It's my. It's for me. I'm dealing with it. it. Has nothing to do with you. We should leave this out of the workplace. He could have gone yeah. that route. It, it could, well, he he to to his credit, he did try to do that, and and so I I'm I'm with him to say like the noun of like this is. I had an erotic dream. I feel uncomfortable about it. Any word beyond that, and you are like 
diving off the cliff. Let's watch him. See, I knew you wouldn't want to know. Well, I don't think you have to feel guilty about a dream, Jimmy. People dream. Uh, no, I know, but see, I got certain hang-ups when it comes to sex. I see. Whenever I have relations with a girl, it's hard for me to look at her after on account of my Catholic guilt. And in my mind, it's as if you and I had sex. Oh, nope. And it was uh, rigorous. <laughs> and, um... Stop I talking, home, Jimmy! I am absolutely gonna frame. And it was, uh... Uh, rigorous. Rigorous. Or rather, when I got to Doug's home, the police were there. And um, they told me my husband was dead. Well, that Mrs. Was Wiggins, disturbing. the autopsy revealed that your husband died from an overdose of secondol. Truly. The prescription for this drug was yours. Yes. I take secondol for insomnia. Did you give this drug to your husband? Of course not. Do you have an explanation as to how he came to take it? Well... I could only guess that he was upset, and he either took some, hoping to relieve his own anxiety, and accidentally took too much, or maybe, maybe he did it on purpose. So he ground it up and mixed it with wine. Why would he do that? I don't know. How much money do you stand to inherit from your husband's estate? I'm not exactly sure. Would it surprise you to learn is 3.7 million? That sounds about right. If you and your late husband had divorced, do you know how much money you were entitled to under the prenuptial agreement? It was considerably less. Considerably less? $410,000. Did you murder your husband for his money? No, sir, I did not. You were at the movies when he died? Yes. By yourself? Yes. Anybody else see you there? Nobody recognized me, Mr. Pratt. I suppose if I went today, it would be different. Mrs. Wiggins, you'd have to admit how this looks. You had motive, opportunity. You were the last one seen with your husband alive. You have no alibi. All you have here is your word, isn't it? I suppose that would be so. And are you good for your word, Mrs. Wiggins? Are you somebody to trust? Objection. Argumentative and badgering. Overruled. Why are we Stronger. yelling? Overruled. Sit. You lied to your husband for two years, didn't you? Did you not hear my question, ma'am? Did you not lie to and continue to betray your husband's trust for two years? I'm not proud about deceiving my husband. And he did trust you, didn't he? I suppose he did, yes. And I suppose if you were to offer him a glass of wine, he'd gladly accept it without a second thought, wouldn't he? Objection. Sustain. Coming in I hot. didn't kill him. I didn't kill my husband. Yes, we have your word on that. Your word of honor. Officer Rydell suffers from the neurosis that prohibits him from performing his job. Doctor, would you read the final paragraph of the A lot of white guys in here talking about this racist cop. Officer Rydell has a assumption that persons of color are more likely to present a physical threat, makes him a hazard to himself, his co-workers, and the citizens of the Commonwealth. Before recovery can begin, the subject must be removed from the situation that created the condition. Thank you, Doctor. Doctor, in your report, you use this word irrational. Does that have a special psychiatric meaning? It means that the patient responds inappropriately to real-world conditions. If a child was punished by his parents in a garage, for example, he may have an irrational fear of cars. What if it's rational 
to believe he has more danger coming from a person of color. If that's the lesson learned from years on the street, the voice of experience, then I feel the Boston Police Department has a serious institutional problem. Hmm. I'd like to quote someone who's not an officer, man of color, in fact. Reverend Jesse Jackson, uh, Wall Street Journal, December 17, 1993. <clears throat> There's nothing more painful to me at this stage in my life than to walk down the street and hear footsteps and start thinking about robbery, then look around and see someone white and feel relieved. Would that statement make Jesse Jackson irrational? So wait, is he trying to equivocate Jesse Jackson? I don't, what's your point, sir? Or prejudiced? I never treated Jesse well, Jackson. Well, so he's, he's making the dis- I would. The distinction between being prejudiced and being irrational, which I think is, the answer to the question is yes, yes to both, because prejudice is inherently irrational by definition. So it's not an, not an either-or situation, mm. it's an and. It is both prejudiced and irrational. Say, however, an idea can be widely held and still constitute a psychiatric condition. I take issue with the suggestion that Mr. Rydell's ideas are widely held by the Boston Police Department. And I take issue with your automatic rejection of that suggestion. The issue yes. is whether Officer Rydell has a diagnosable condition and whether that condition is job-related. So let's keep the debate right there, shall we? Okay. Where'd your glasses go, Eugene? I think we got a shot. I really do. With that panel, don't hold your breath. That Adams guy was hanging on every word. Case going well? Don't judge me, Rebecca. I'm judging your client. I'm not defending the man. I'm representing the idea that racism could be a sickness in that department. Now, how many times have you been pulled over because your license plate light was out? Too many. And you were yanked out and beaten once for fitting a general description, remember? This isn't about that. Maybe. I love when he just dabbles in little bits of character, you know, or like uh, history for our characters. Well, I, of course, the sad part is here, like, that's not... These are two black characters talking about being harassed by the police. Like, that's not a character. That's not a piece of character. That's just a piece of being black in America. Yeah, I guess. As I understand it as a straight white man. Maybe not. But the idea that the cop who did that could get disability pay and an early pension. You've had your your strife, Keith. Let's not underplay it. <laughs> yeah, but not this kind. Makes me a little sick. Oh, God, Jimmy. Stop talking Stop to talking. Give it a week. Would you please stop this? Oh, I'm sorry. Look, you know, I, I know it was just a dream. Uh, I, I know this. Oh, God. But, uh, well, the first time I ever hit a home run in Little League, I had oh, a dream no. about it the night before. Sometimes my dreams can be like omens. Oh, God, no. No, Jimmy, no. Stop talking. Oh, God. You think maybe, I don't know, after work we can go for a drink sometime? Oh my god! Jimmy. Jesus. You are oh. now full on harassment. Oh god, Jimmy. Jimmy. Oh Jimmy. god. Jimmy. Although, you know, if I ever am single again, I know how I'm going to pick up my next girl. <laughs> Dream. Are you mulling it over? Jimmy. At least she's being kind. Since we work together, I don't think it would be a good idea. We should keep things completely professional. 
Yeah, you're probably right. Well, yeah, you're right. Oh, he's not done. No. Can I ask you one thing? Sure. If we didn't work together, you have a dream about me? Oh! Oh, um, Jesus. Oh, yeah. Now I don't know that we can even use that you got Jimmy'd anymore because now it means a totally different thing. It's. Uh, now you got uh, Jimmy means I had a sex dream about you. Ugh. Means you'd like full on got sexually harassed in the workforce. Now, did he mention in his exposition about the dream, did he come to fruition? What? <laughs> I don't really remember my dreams. And uh, I suspect knowing myself, I probably try to keep my dreams professional too. Yeah. Well, anyway, I thought I'd ask. You're a very supple person. Oh my God. What? Supple? <laughs> Although he, that's the word you're gonna use i would be you know last week you asked me because i you, i said you weren't particularly uh charming <laughs> <laughs> and you said what word would you use and i it's taken me a week and i needed a little help from my friend jimmy but i think the word i would choose <laughs> supple supple a quick, like, the, the, all right we need to unpack supple here uh how is that a compliment in the situation? The definition of supple, I looked it up, oh, good. I was is about to. bending and moving easily and gracefully, flexible, not stiff or hard, easily manipulated, and uh, the most <laughs> the most common usage of the word is in a badly written sex scene in a novel talking about supple lady areas. Well, I mean, I think it's pretty clear he's talking about Exactly yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I just still complete and utter harassment. If he were planning on taking a medication, why wouldn't he just swallow the pills? Why would he grind them up and mix them with wine? I don't Supple. know. So, Supple. after your husband took the poison what did he and think became he unconscious, meant? did you and Mr. Forsyth carry him to the bathroom, take off his clothes, and put him in the bathtub? Objection. Objection. Sustained. Mrs. Wiggins, I have one last question. Think about that, though. That sex dream was so realistic to him that he felt it was he felt that he needed to describe it to her and then and then compliment her on her performance in said dream in the rigorous performance of her supple nature oh god oh when the police god. informed you that your husband of 12 years was dead did you cry i i think i was in shock you didn't cry did you not when the police were there, maybe, but... She gonna need a deus machina here, because this ain't going well. After they left, I did. No. When it looked like you were going to get caught. Objection, sustained. Get on with it. Did you ask the police how he died? Of course I did. Really? The detectives don't remember you asking. Well, I did. Okay, if you say so, we'll just have to accept that. On Doesn't your look good for our friend here. That's all I have. Bobby's thinking hard, though, so that's good. No, Your Honor. The witness may stand down. Uh, Your Honor, I'd like to ask a couple of questions. I do. Stay stoic. Don't react. What's going on? I'm your lawyer. What's going on? Don't react. Mary Jane, just a 
few things I'd like to clear up because I, I, I suddenly became troubled by your testimony. You met with your lawyer three days before your husband's death, did you not? Maybe I did. I, I met with him a lot. Yes, but, but on, on this meeting, he discussed the terms of the prenup, didn't he? Yes. And those terms were unfavorable, as Mr. Pratt pointed out. I didn't really care about my husband's money. Now, that's a lie, isn't Objection. it, Mary Jane? Hostile witness, Judge. Conference. I want to ask this witness questions now, before she has time to think up answers. Move to strike that. Get up here, all of you. So, do you... So, Bobby here, because he represents the man and not her, is now attacking the co-defendant to protect his person. Which is an interesting strategy. What the hell is going on here? I'm entitled to ask questions. You are co-counsel for the defense. And your client's story doesn't serve the interest of my client's this story. This is unfair surprise. I'm not the prosecution. Be quiet. We should suspend right now. I said be quiet. He has the right to ask questions you could redirect. I knew nothing about this. Neither did I till a minute ago. Your Honor, he is blindsiding me. The reason each client has a lawyer is because there may be conflicts. What the hell is this? Stop it. I move for an immediate mistrial. Denied. Now, what do you think Bobby's internal struggle is here, too? Because he was about to make out with this lady, so... Is yeah, I, th I think he closed the door on that one. Yeah, he really put his personal... Uh... Good for Bobby, he put his personal... He's, he's thinking hey, of his big head. For the first time ever... He decided to put his... He was, he was more supple than he normally is. Yeah, he's thinking with his big head. Unfortunately, Eugene has taken a turn for the other. Brother, be quiet. Not Eugene. Jimmy. Excuse me, Jimmy. Although, Eugene, who knows? Step back and let's get on with it. I'd like to remind the jury that Mr. Donnell is counsel for Mr. Forsythe only. He does not represent Mrs. Wiggins. Proceed. Mary Jane. After you met with your lawyer, did you decide divorce was not in your best interest? Wait, stop I it right there. You're never going to see this, so I am texting you this so you can see it. So get your phone. We have a shot of the jury, and behind them is a box of records. And uh, they were not prepared for us to be able to pause the video and take screenshots. D do you have it yet? Uh, my phone is in the other room, so I'm going to need you. All right, to never mind. All right. So behind the jury, there is a box that says, has records on it, entitled Set Dressing Records. Oh, God, I see it now. So. Wow, wow. <laughs> that is a classic. So we <laughs> set dressing is labeled set dressing. That's, oh, I can't wait for that to go on the blog. Suddenly did not decide that. Did you go to Mr. Forsyth and tell him that you suddenly wanted Although it to is get still, back? It is still more uh, discreet than a giant spare tire that somebody just left in the, the office. <laughs> At least With it's your husband. not Didn't labeled unnecessary not set dressing context. spare tire. Uh, I was, uh, I couldn't bear hurting him. Couldn't bear hurting him? Are you telling this court you cheated on your husband for two years, told him it was over, then suddenly after meeting with your lawyer where you were informed you'd be out three million dollars, you suddenly didn't want to hurt your poor husband? Objection! Of a room. You did try to get back with him, didn't you, Mary Jane? And the thought of losing all that money. Move to strike that! Counsel, I don't want to tell you again. But he wouldn't take you back. So you... 
she really got screwed here. She really did. I did not! As an officer of this court, Your Honor, I can no longer escape the truth. This woman poisoned her husband. You've got to be kidding me! That Bobby is not here to make friends. It's a lie. It wasn't a lie. She said she was. It had nothing to do with his money. You son of a bitch, you know. She's gonna think I've betrayed her. You made it look like I was. Shut up! Look, we are facing a double conviction here. She was getting harpooned like a beached whale in there. Your only chance here was this. I had to turn against her. You sacrificed her. She's not my client. You are. My bastard. That was the most despicable thing I've ever seen anyone Andrew, do. Calm down. No, no. Not here. Not now. After the after the after the case. <laughs> calm down. Well, here's another example of like weird, like dated '30s TV violence between men and women. He's like holding her arms back, like it was. It's so weird to see today, like. This sort of antiquated, like, man manhandling a woman. And to be fair, like... She came at she him did, pretty hard, She didn't come at him, but, like, it's this weird thing that I I have never experienced in real life. That sort of a... I mean, I guess I don't get in a lot of fights, but it's still... It's like, what's yeah, going on Yeah, but from this here? screenshot, you couldn't tell if this is a fight or a, 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 a Eugene... Oh, God damn, I keep saying that. A, a fight or a Jimmy sex dream. <laughs> Oh, it does seem vigorous. Yeah. First, I didn't plan it. It was a last-second Hail oh. Mary. We were both dead. We probably still are. Yeah, well, Mary Jane's definitely more dead now, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, well, I represent him. Oh, kill yourself. Look, you want to turn right around and point the finger at him? Go He's ahead. Apropos. I'd almost welcome it. What? If we start accusing each other, the jury might think they have to pick one or the other, and they couldn't possibly. You did it. She did it. Both did it. Neither did it. It all adds up to reasonable doubt. What I did in there was desperate. I know. But we are desperate. Everything is, is spinning right now, and that's a plus. Half hour ago, everything was settled. And it wasn't settled for the better. What's to stop any officer from uh, deciding, hey, I don't want to do my last three years. I'll just uh, decide that I'm a racist and start collecting my pension early. Well, Good what's question. to stop any police officer from claiming post-traumatic stress disorder? You have to prove it clinically. But you have to admit, counsel, that even if racism were a disorder, even if it were caused by the job, it's contributory. We should, however, address... Who's that Who's that the lead judge in this case is John Alward. Alleyward. A-Y-L-Word. Alward. Whatever. Uh, you would know him Alward? primarily... Alward? He was, uh, he did some episodes of the West Wing, but his biggest thing was, uh, he did a bunch of episodes of ER hmm. as the, uh, as one of like the head surgeons I vaguely remember. You Good know, actor. The service that I think, you know, television in this case does for us is that often in these very complicated issues, be it, you know, smoking, be it racism, things of, with such a broad brush. Sex dreams. Sex dreams. Often people are so ideologically opposed so that no actual debate can take place. No rational debate can take place. Right. Now, granted, this right. is coming from, you know, writers who are uh, maybe not as nuanced, you know, because they're just straight white men, but um, at least we get presentation of uh, opposing viewpoints in a rational manner, that not yeah. so heated or uh, idealized, you know? Yeah, well, I think that's what makes the show so good. That's why I wanted to revisit it. He doesn't get it like the flu. He has to have some predisposition. This hearing is not about blame. If he shot himself in the foot, he'd be to blame, but it wouldn't disqualify him from disability. 
This man has got a sickness. The evidence suggests he got it in the course of duty. He came forward. If he's penalized for it, the others out there, and there are others out there, they won't come forward. Still, to call it a disease? I don't like... Uh, then call it an epidemic. Who gives a damn? Your department's got it. I thought you said this wasn't about blame, counsel. Uh, it, it isn't, but part of the issue look, is... Look, look, look. I think we'd all agree racism is a cancer. You do whatever you can to root out cancer and destroy it. The idea that he killed a black man for carrying a cigarette lighter is hateful to me. The idea that he's trying to collect disability for it doesn't make me feel any better. But the idea of him staying out on the streets and others like him staying out there, there can't be anything more hateful than that, can there? Reach. Again, I thought you said this wasn't about blame. Let's just focus on but the Maybe we should all be blaming you. Blaming the institution that allows people like him. Maybe it's time you all started owning some blame. Spoiler alert. Nobody's nope. owning any blame. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. No. Nothing ties him to the scene. Yes, he was there earlier, but she took the car to go to the movies. The tire prints from only one car were found at the house. So I guess they're running it with it. Her this, drugs. Uh, she wanted the against money. Each other she tactic. was desperate to keep well, that is, money. So desperate that he tried in the 11th hour to blame her. He claims he loves this woman. But then, in a dastardly attempt, on the last dastardly. day of the trial, he points the finger at her. And what about accident? What about suicide? The prosecution couldn't medically rule out either, could they? He did it, she did it, no, it was suicide. Accident. Gee, they included everything but act of God. It's all a ploy of spin. They figure by suddenly going at each other, you're gonna go, wow, it's no conspiracy after all. So who's guilty? Which one? Can't be sure. Must be reasonable doubt. Yeah, Don't that sounds about right. Don't fall for this. Don't you dare fall for this. I think we get the hard no on this. About to get the resolution to the racism case. They're going to resolve racism? Amazing! Only the likelihood is that every police force in the country discriminates against minority suspects. Sometimes in obvious ways, sometimes not. There's even the possibility that the job could even breed racism. In defense of police departments, however, I would say that the disparate treatment is no better and maybe even worse in the justice system. You might consider that, Mr. That's Young, not when you defense. tighten the knot on your tie every morning preparing to go to work at your law firm. You accusing me, Judge? I am suggesting that if this is a battle that you want to fight, you need look no further than your own backyard. Well, today, we're in your yard. Thank you. The issue here, as you have stated, however contrary to your agenda, is whether this man has a disability which qualifies him for an early pension. Mr. Rydell, we salute your coming forward. We admire your willingness to get help for an attitude that most officers would deny having. And we hope that other officers, should they suspect themselves of being so prejudiced that they pose a danger on the force, would also choose to come forward. But when they do, this panel will not be rewarding them. 
You say what you want about the Boston Police Department. We may have our share of racist officers, but we will never be apologists for them. <laughs> Your request for pensions denied. You want to take something with you as you leave this room? Take this. As bigots go, you're one of the better ones. This matter's adjourned. Well. Interesting move, ambushing your co-counsel like that in open court. I can't say I've ever seen it. I'm not sure it'll have any effect. Oh, but it already has. I've prevailed upon Judge Stevens not to send your associates before the Board of Bar overseas. Wow. I don't understand. Things don't happen in a vacuum, Bobby. I mean, uh, maybe you have some inner compass that gives you clear directions. I don't really know. But if others try to take direction from you, I have no doubt, but they'll be lost. Bottom line, if Ms. Foote and Ms. Dole were taking their cues from their senior partner, it mitigates their offense. Judge Stevens has agreed to recommend probation. Thank you. No. Bobby, what you did yesterday was disgraceful. I have a... Okay, two things. One, that's it? For the whole Lindsay and Eleanor disbarment story, just like, never mind? You're such a bad lawyer, such a bad leader, that if they were following you, then I can't blame them? That they're, that they're not liable for their... Be that, you know, you know, I love this show. I do a whole podcast about it. But that is a cheap and easy way out of the shitstorm they got themselves into. Like Also... It, it, though radical a defense strategy he explained it fairly well it's not it's not it's it's create it's his last de ditch effort to create reasonable doubt it's I don't know his why she has job to, to do everything within the bounds of the law to protect his client and there's nothing illegal about what he did so mm. no he, i'd say i'd say he job. got jimmied i'd say he got jimmied but in this case now all i can think of is that means she had a sex dream about him so i guess i can't say it i think the sex dream i think they've been doing it for years a client and a duty you what am i supposed 50 to 50 clients maybe more meaning meaning when you step into a courtroom you walk in with your reputation you compromise it all your clients suffer i'll be less likely to trust you now and that hurts your next client do you think any lawyer in this town would agree to have you as co-counsel now? Do you think the DAs will trust you to be straight with them? A liar makes a lousy advocate. Hey, you think I lied in there? Then throw me in contempt. So easy for you to sit up there wearing the robe. I'm the guy with the client's life in my hands. I'm speaking as someone who likes you, Bobby, who always has. That Gerald Braun trial. Standing up there arguing your client was uh, morally correct for having shot a man in cold blood. Had you lost, you would have been admired. The lawyer who put up the noble defense, who fought the good fight for the client. But in victory, you're despised. Hmm. That's the way it works. And now on the heels of the Braun trial, pulling a stunt like yesterday's. Be careful, Bobby. If you lose your integrity in that room, you lose it all. I may not know everything, but I've been around long enough to know that. She's great. She's terrific. They have a verdict. Oh, well, that was fast. So, I guess this is where we see if you're a winner. 
Damn. Bringing the heat. Thank you. Another good 80 yard cough. The defendants will rise. Yes, Mrs. Foreman. Madam Foreperson, has the jury reached its verdicts? We have. What say you? On the matter of Commonwealth versus Douglas Forsyth, on the charge of murder in the first degree, we find the defendant not guilty. Ooh. You did it, Bobby. <laughs> on the matter of Commonwealth versus Mary Jane Wiggins, on the charge of murder in the first degree, we find the defendant guilty. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Members of the jury, this does complete your service. We thank you. So he blew two relationships here, didn't he? <laughs> Seriously. The court officers will take Mrs. Wiggins into custody. Mr. Forsyth, you are free to go. We are adjourned. That's ambiguous, though, right? Because had they not done that, would they have both been guilty or potentially was... It seemed know. like they were both headed towards a guilty verdict there. I'm sorry it didn't work out. I think we came close. Yeah, well, uh, thanks. Thanks. Good luck, Mr. Rodell. Uh, next time you don't want to take a case, don't take the case, okay? Don't be taking a client that goes against whatever it is you're trying to win when you should be trying to win for the client if you're going to take his case. I make myself clear? No. But I understand what you mean. Jimmy's gonna get like the final moment of like zing there after this How episode. Can I be happy? I mean, yeah. No, plus, it didn't really make any sense. Didn't make any sense. No, it didn't see like I. We'll get into it when we're done. But like, I'm glad I got acquitted. Don't get me wrong. But uh, my God, Doug, I told you my job was to defend you to get you off. I'm sorry that Mary if Jane. If they acquitted me. Maybe they were going to find her not guilty, too. Maybe you convinced them. You don't know that. She's going to jail for murder. How can this be? It can be like that. We said it probably would be. Don't you listen? What have we been telling you? For God's sakes, you two were with him. It was her second all, no alibi. We're lucky you both didn't go down. And you know what, Doug? You love her. You don't believe she could do this, but maybe she did. Who are we to know? Nobody saw her at the movies. Maybe she went back there and she killed him. No, she didn't. You weren't there. Maybe she did. Stop it. You can't know for sure. How could she have carried the body to that bathtub? She would have had to drag it, in which case there would have been carpet fibers all over his clothes. There were no fibers. He had to have been carried. How does he know that? There was nothing introduced about carpet fibers. I never gave you the investigative reports. Bobby's too good. 
Doug, did you, did you go back to that house? All I'm telling you, Mary Jane didn't. I know she didn't. You know, then why the fu- Okay, so this guy just got you off for murder. Let's twist again, like we did last episode. And you know you murdered the guy, and then you have the audacity to get pissed off at your lawyer for getting <laughs> you acquitted of the crime you know you committed. With a strategy that you went along with. Oh, that's some bullshit. Bullshit. I guess the judge's point is correct, though. You can't, you're, it doesn't matter what you do. Bobby stares off. Stare off and stare off fade out. All right, we did it. There oh, to is... To be continued, that's To big. be continued. To be continued. So we're not done with this blundering not... son of a bitch. No, but wow, there is a lot to unpack here. Ooh! Okay, so we're going to get into all of these all of these things uh, finally, but there's, there's definitely... I mean, there's three main story arcs here to unpack. Um... First of all, you know what? Let's save it. Let's save it for the spare tires, okay. and let's all do right. the. Let's just get some of our uh, our housekeeping done. All right. Most I mean, that shit is epic, Keith. Oh, all right. So, <laughs> thank you. Uh, so, most valuable lawyer. What do you think? I mean, I'd like to applaud Eugene's sort of moral fortitude to 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 deal with all of that he just dealt with. But I don't. Right. But Bobby just literally before we were certain that Larroquette committed the crime and he basically right. got himself off. But in this case, Bobby, with some wizardry, got an actual murderer acquitted. So how do you not give it to Bobby Donnell? No, it's clearly Bobby. Yeah. It's and like, you know, Bobby's taken hits right and left for how we did it, but his job is to defend his client. He was successful at his job. So I think unequivocally, thank you, Bobby Donnell, for being awesome at lawyering. Not only that, but I wanna tip my cap to Bobby when he deserves it. You know, we get on his case about some of his uh moral ineptitude uh all along. However, he did not make out with this lady. She made a pretty strong advance towards him. And he, we don't know how well that was going to play out, but he still made a decision contrary to his, what his penis was telling him, which <laughs> I think needs to be commended in this circumstance. Although, to be fair, they had been hooking up all through college. Okay. So it wasn't like the first time he had the chance. <laughs> okay. Okay. And on that awkward, awkward moment, let's do uh, this one. Already famous cause you've been on TV Getting a paycheck Watch first entry on your IMDB Way to go And you're the best guest actor You are the best guest actor You are the best guest actor on the episode I have two nominees <laughs> Okay Uh First blush, you would think, I think Racist Cop was pretty good. However, I really think Linda Hunt was was 
really spectacular again, reprising her judge role. I I, I totally agree. I think, um, you know, I thought Racist Cop did like totally solid for what he was asked to do. But, you know, his job was basically just to sort of sit there sheepishly, whereas uh, he wasn't really driving the scenes. He was sort of the, he, he started, he, he was the spark for the drama, but he wasn't really a participant in the drama. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's Linda Hunt. I think she just, you know, again, comes in at the end. And even though I, I, I didn't ne- necessarily agree with both what her character was saying or the writing of her character, frankly. Mm -hmm. I thought she did such a good job. Linda Hunt, uh, congratulations. This is your second Best Guest Actor Award in two episodes. Killing it. Well, if that's our guest actor, then I guess we need to discuss... Already famous because you've been on TV. (laughs) Never mind. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case. Or blew the cue. a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. I think for me, I gotta say, amongst the hurricane of of melodrama and stress and pieces of the law firm falling all around him, I think Dylan McDermott as Bobby McDonald stole the show for me this week. He, that's a really, yeah, he did a really good job. I thought he was, uh, it felt honest. It felt for the most part earned and the parts that were unearned were the writing, not necessarily the performance. Uh, so I'm with you. Although I'm going to, it was a split decision this week. I'm going to give it to Steve Harris. Wow. Because, uh, you know, I, I thought he not only made very good points, but navigated, uh, the sort of the emotional arc of what he was saying. Cause he so easily could have overdone that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and didn't. And I thought he actually played that pretty well. Um, so congratulations to Dylan McNervitt and Steve Harris. You have split the best actor. All right. Here's the fun part. It's time to discuss the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. So it's interesting because I, I really feel like on the whole episodes are really like you had met said you had set me up for this they're really finding their stride um and i really enjoyed this my the my issue with it is less the performances it's more the writing it felt a little you know it's funny because we, we set this up with that there were three writers on this episode and it felt a little that way it felt a little bit like three different voices or multiple voices multiple viewpoints like a lot of the things a lot of the resolutions are nonsensical like uh Linda's response in that moment in in the chambers, uh, Eugene kind of the, his flip out moment didn't quite make sense. A lot of the equivocation taking place in that whole story didn't really line up. It wasn't clear really what they were trying to say. Um, yeah, I, I felt like it, it felt sort of like they worked backwards. Like they know how they wanted the episode to end, and then they built the story in from behind. So it came across a little uneven for me. Like Eugene's or not Eugene, uh, Jimmy's character d- did a, like a, a full 360 uh, or 180. excuse me. My math is bad. So it's hard. I enjoyed it. The performances are so good and the, in, the ideas are so interesting. I just felt the writing let them down a little bit here. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I think, I think the, the Jimmy thing is very obvious. They, you know, I, 
but part of it is our different sensibilities today or different awareness of that kind of stuff today. But like, oh my, like, I think they were writing that thinking like, oh, poor, awkward Jimmy, like how funny. Yeah. And looking back on it now, it's just like, oh God, you just, you just torpedoed your, threw your character under a bus in a like unbelievably yeah, profound way. If it was way. any other woman in that law firm other than Lindsay, I think it would have been a different response. So at least he got lucky I, there. Well, I don't, yeah, I, it just like, it, it shouldn't be happening under any circumstance. And I think you just, you just did an episode where you made Jimmy the most likable, like character where rooting for him or like singing the song of Jimmy. And then you just like, slap him down with that idiot arc no it's not even that we were cheering for him if i'm not if i'm not mistaken it was only a week ago bobby said we want the whole moral compass of this law firm right. to be based on jimmy yeah yeah exactly exactly and it's just like oh that's bad so that i didn't like also as i as i mentioned earlier the whole Lindsay eleanor being disbarred thing just got punted yeah. Like completely, you didn't even make a new point. The point about like the bad leadership from Bobby had been made better already in the previous episode. So it was a, a punt storyline. You gave up on like what could have been a very interesting arc without a good explanation. So like that just seemed cheap and easy. Now the, uh, the murder story, which I, I really liked the uh, I like the twist. I like the two, def uh, you know, the co-counsel, the two two different uh, uh, defenders, and I like the twist of him turning on her. And like, so I was on board with all of that. The part I, the part I didn't like, is is it's not that I didn't like the twist that like he actually did it. It's that this is now we're in episode five of season two. This is the third last second twist. On very similar, like the the season premiere, you had Bobby's girlfriend like did or did you not murder him and like the little smirk at the end. Then you had you had John Larroquette's Joey Herrick character, the twist at the end like yeah I murdered him. And this is the third t third twist like this in five episodes, and I just feel like it, it like it's it just starts to cheapen if every episode ends with like oh. Like it was, I was the murderer the whole time. M Night Shyamalan type thing. Mm -hmm. It cheapens all of them, especially like I could even let that go because I mean that's sort of how sometimes these shows go. But what's the why, right? Like what do we what do we take away from it? We know that Bobby pulls this kind of these kind of shenanigans. We know that he's he'll he'll go to these lengths. But I feel like that like once again that scene in the in the judges' chambers is supposed to set us up for why what he learns from this moment and i it's right yeah exactly we don't really get it like what what's the what's the moral of the story how is bobby going to develop out of this it, yeah again, somehow the only of, thing that comes of it is that he gets eleanor and Lindsay off somehow yeah unrelated to the entire story so yeah it just that that felt kind of cheap now the thing i did like I thought the discussion of uh you know the the racism the institutional racism in the police force i thought that was very important i thought it was uh relatively well articulated and i i was just like i was really glad to see that topic being broached you know in a fairly direct way uh the part i i thought it was miss I, I wrote it down three times in my notes and that this guy's making the argument about the police force having caused his racism 
caused his disability. But what nobody talked about the entire time is how the police force caused his racism. And that's really what this is all about, right? It's like, how does the institutional racism manifest itself? How does, how does somebody who is ostensibly not a racist person become racist because he's a cop? So we've, we've addressed that, like, yes, this happens, but we're not talking about how. Yeah. Or why? Like, what? What made that happen? Yeah, it's you know, it's like the how. That's why I was interested when they set the premise up because the how is an interesting exploration. But obviously, they don't have the time, and they really didn't have the sort of the ammunition to go about it. And what it became is a blame game, right? Who's actually to blame for this? And so we we got the kind of least common denominator story, I think. But but you but you can't answer who's to blame. If you don't know what happened. Right. So like, you know, was it, was it his partner who's like, oh, you should be afraid of every black person you see? Was it the captain? Was it their training? Was it, you know, things that happened while he was like, and and that's the part I think they punted. They were too afraid. Well, they did worse. They did worse than punted it because ultimately somehow it became a sort of, it became about Eugene, right? Instead of being about the issue, it became about Eugene and his response to it. And then on top of that, it seemed as almost like he was sort of admonished in the end. Right. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. Like, like, like Eugene was the guy who was out of line in the situation. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, it's funny. Like the, the more we talk about it, the less I like that. Yeah. I mean, and we've been, I've been throwing out some pretty high scores, I think. Yeah. And so if I'm going to judge it in the pantheon of sort of where we've come to, yeah, I, I think I give yeah. it a supple six point five. Yeah, and I think even that's, yeah, I mean a supple. Ugh. <laughs> uh, yeah, this I, I I think I'm gonna go even further. I'm gonna say this is a rigorously terrible episode. <laughs> in a way that, like, again, like you said, it's not terrible. But you know what? Supple six. In the act- I'm gonna take the, the supple half six. Yeah, like it's well acted. The the scenes by themselves are well written and it's well directed. It's just, it combines to something much worse than the elements. Uh, so I'm going to give it a rigorously mediocre four. So uh, four spare tires. So we me. come right in at five then. Come right in at five. Which is pretty poor. Um, at, Which, I, although technically that's average, but yeah, I guess that's whatever. True. I think what we're finding is that we like David with a co-writer, but maybe not two. Well, it's, I don't mind, I think it just comes down to like, I, I think it's on David as the, as the showrunner, taking a look at the big picture, zooming out, think about like, where does this, you know, where does this play in relation to the other episodes of the season? What are we, what are we doing with these characters here? You know, do you have a plan for next week and the next 10 weeks? For the characters, for the show, for all that, as opposed to like coming up with a spicy episode of the week without really thinking about the context of it. Yeah, and I, I want to say, as much as I'm loving, I'm, I'm loving the ensemble nature of it. This episode rewet my palate. I, I, I'm, I want more Bobby. But more Bobby. I just, I want to get back to Bobby. I, I kind of need a little bit more of a. I need to hook into sort of like a central figure a little bit. Fair enough. Uh, you know, I I want more Eleanor and I want more Rebecca. Yeah, Rebecca once like, again has kind of drifted back into the. Well, 
Yeah, she wasn't. She was barely even Rebecca D. Cricket this episode. Yeah. I like. I, it's time for her to get a storyline, and it's tough because like they're sort of casting her as like the secretary with a conscience, who dresses like so Blossom, not, <laughs> who dresses like Blossom. That's exactly right. Well, this has been <laughs> quite the episode. Apparently, I'm I'm dying from speaking about this episode. So. uh we did it. If you want to be one of the many, 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 many reviews that are read, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also go to our page at anchor.fm slash outofpracticepodcast and leave us money. <laughs> or a review there. You can write <laughs> leave us, us money. any sort of feedback at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Check out our blog at outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com or our Facebook or Instagram handles out of practice podcast or listen to keith's other podcast wisdom of one available at any podcast retailers near you check it out and stay tuned next week for an episode entitled sex lies and monkeys is that really what it's called that's really what it's called so look out folks um they're gonna be pretty exciting just called it jimmy Oh, Jimmy, that was a that was a rough one, buddy. You got a big Monday night, Keith. You said that you had to be out of here by five. Oh well, that's because there might have been the Bruins playoff game, but it's actually tomorrow. Sports ball, sports ball. Yeah, we we talked a lot about sports today. Yeah, well, you know, we are uh, very athletic. You know what's better than <laughs> you know what's better than sports? Laser sounds. Laser sounds. What is Wisdom of One? Wisdom of One is the story of me, the brave and powerful hero Skankross 7 and counting. Wisdom of One, there's like all these crazy adventures that we go on. It always has something new. <laughs> this podcast has many, many personality disorders in evidence. See if you can spot them all. The one telling the story is shockingly repressed. Yet another Dungeons and Dragons comedy podcast. Interrupted by long stretches of grunting from Dagon and pointless NPC nonsense you should skip through. Sometimes it's just more fun than real life, I guess. So find us on your podcatcher of choice. Give us a listen, rate, and review us. We need your help there for sure. Wisdom of one. Failure is a way of life. Charisma of 20 bucks.